0: the shadows The pain started subtly at first, a dull ache in my lower abdomen that I assumed was just gas or bloating. But over time it became more persistent, a soreness that lingered no matter what I did. I chalked it up to one too many greasy meals or overly enthusiastic workouts at the gym. But when it started waking me up at night, I knew something wasn't right. My wife Jean was the one who finally convinced me to see a doctor. I had always avoided checkups and medical procedures whenever possible. But the pain had become a constant companion, interfering with my work and day to day life so I reluctantly made an appointment with a gastroenterologist my coworker recommended. Dr. Klein was a straight shooter, asking questions and poking at my stomach before quickly determining the culprit, a small but problematic hernia. I was referred to Dr. Patel, a renowned surgeon, to discuss options. The reassurances began immediately at my first consult with Dr. Patel. He breezily rattled off statistics about the routine nature of hernia repair surgeries. Thousands were performed every year, he said, with quick recovery times and minimal complications. In and out in under an hour, back on your feet in days, he promised. John did her due diligence, researching the procedure and asking thoughtful questions when we returned for a pre-op visit. Dr. Patel answered them all efficiently and confidently further putting our minds at ease this was a simple outpatient operation practiced so often it was nearly mechanical for him at this point still in the days leading up to the surgery i couldn't help but feel a creeping sense of dread i had never had more than a dental filling before never experienced being put under what if i didn't wake up what if something went horribly wrong John tried to keep me positive, reminding me of Dr. Patel's stellar credentials and success rate. Statistically, I had nothing to worry about. I let her optimism calm my restless mind. The night before, we shared a quiet dinner that Jean had prepared, my favorites for a pre-surgery celebration, she called it. But fear lurked right below the surface. We went to bed early, though I laid awake staring into darkness for hours. Each tick of the clock seeming to telegraph my dwindling time left being whole and healthy. Morning came too quickly accompanied by sympathetic smiles from Jean and our teenage daughter Amy at the breakfast table. They tried to keep the mood light, but I could only pick at my food, the knot in my stomach overruling any appetite I might have. Before I knew it, we were pulling into the hospital parking lot the looming building seeming to enlarge as we drew closer. Jean gave my hand a supportive squeeze after putting the car in park. Inside, we navigated back to the pre-op area, following sign after sign until I was seated in a curtained bay to change into a gown. So this was really happening. The nurse who came to start my IV was named Abby. She exuded a contagious positivity as she expertly inserted the needle and hooked up tubing. First time under the knife, she asked, making small talk as she worked. That obvious? I replied with a weak smile. She laughed. Everyone's nervous before their first surgery, but Dr. Patel will take excellent care of you. I nodded, her confidence in the surgeon bolstering my own. Next, Dr. Patel himself appeared, reiterating the simplicity of this laparoscopic procedure. The tiny incisions required were nothing compared to the open surgeries of the past. He marked the spots where he would insert the instruments on my abdomen. The anesthesiologist was next, going over the medications that would be used to put me under. General anesthesia was perfectly routine, he assured. All I would experience is drifting off then waking up in recovery, with zero recollection of the surgery itself. Let's get this hernia licked. When I give the word start counting backward from a hundred, he directed. I exchanged one last look with John, squeezing her hand tightly. She gave me a brave smile. See you soon, she said. As the anesthesia entered my IV line, I began counting aloud. I made it to 97 before the room started spinning and fading away. Darkness moved in. The last thing I heard was Dr. Patel making a joke to the OR team that got a laugh, and then silence. Absolute darkness. That was my entire world for what seemed like an eternity. Had I died on the table? Was this some sort of afterlife? Panic rose inside at the thought. Then I noticed a pressure on my abdomen Faint at first, but steadily increasing As if something was pressed against my stomach Next came the voices Indistinct and distant, but growing louder every moment I strained to make them out through the hazy fog that still clouded my mind Make the incision here and here, said a voice Dr. Paddle His words sent a jolt of fear through me I was still in the operating room. Other voices chimed in, their tones calm and routine. I focused every ounce of energy into moving some part of my body. But nothing happened. I lay paralyzed, unable to even open my eyes. A numbness spread through my abdomen as I felt the first cut. But within seconds, the sharp agony of the scalpel sliced through the medication. I was conscious awake for every moment of this surgery I was promised I'd sleep through. The terror was indescribable, trapped in darkness, fully aware but unable to signal to them in any way. I could only silently suffer as they cut and manipulated my insides, each slice feeling like fire tearing through my core. When the clamping started, I thought I might pass out from the sheer torture My body instinctively tried to flinch away from the pain, but I couldn't move even an inch. The clamp gripped and pierced mercilessly as Dr. Patel worked to repair my hernia. A casual conversation was occurring above me. The doctors and nurses laughed and exchanged weekend plans as if they weren't currently ripping apart the body of a conscious human being. Inside, I was screaming and thrashing, but my exterior remained frozen and mute suction here? Dr. Patel directed in a bored tone. I felt the invasive suction device probing excruciatingly inside my abdomen. The pain was white-hot and unrelenting. How could a surgeon operate on a person who was awake and unanesthetized? But the agony only continued as they poked and stitched. Each second felt like an eternity. I begged silently for mercy or relief praying they would notice my racing vitals and realize their negligent mistake. But the torture persisted. The worst was the stapling. The cold metal clamp piercing and pinching my flesh was beyond description. I thought I might crash through the paralytic state from the sheer animalistic desire to flinch away. But I remained trapped inside, screaming into oblivion as they recklessly continued. When the staple gun fired... It was like being struck by lightning inside my core. My whole body tried to react to the trauma but not a single muscle budged. I could do nothing but endure as the merciless team finished me off. Finally, blessedly, I heard Dr. Patel say, Let's close him up. The relief of knowing my ordeal was ending nearly made me sob. I felt weak and drained as the last dreadful minutes of suturing played out. And then... It was over the pressure lifted from my body i heard them discussing wheeled me to recovery as i teetered on the edge of unconsciousness the agony had been indescribable the terror immeasurable i clung to awareness fearing i'd be trapped awake for eternity but finally darkness descended again pulling me down into its silent refuge my last tortured thought was a fervent prayer that i would wake up again that this hadn't all been some sick nightmare. Then again, there was only nothingness. Consciousness returned in fits and starts. I drifted in a hazy fog, bobbing in and out of alertness. When I finally surfaced fully, I was overwhelmed by the memories. Had it been real? Or just a horrible nightmare? I looked around the recovery room expecting a nurse to arrive with consolation and answers. But I was alone behind the patterned curtain. The pain in my abdomen confirmed without a doubt that the surgery had occurred. I peered down at the bandages covering the incisions. A short while later, a nurse named David came to check on me. I immediately recounted every agonizing detail of being awake for the entire surgery. But he just smiled, sympathetically assuming it had been an anesthesia dream. When Dr. Patel appeared, I frantically clutched his arm, begging him to recognize what I had endured. But he calmly explained it was impossible. General anesthesia prevented consciousness and memory. The fact I believed I recalled the procedure was surely confusion from the medications. In the days after, I became obsessed with finding proof. There had to be some way to get them to acknowledge my experience. Jean grew worried by my fixation, but I needed answers. I filed complaints and tried to launch an investigation, but hit dead ends everywhere. My mental health deteriorated rapidly. I stopped sleeping, afraid of being trapped helpless and awake again. I had trouble distinguishing dreams from reality. Jean suggested therapy, but no one could understand the truth I harbored. Near the end of my recovery I was summoned back to the hospital to discuss my complaints. My hope soared briefly, thinking I'd finally be vindicated. But instead I was met by the head of surgery, Dr. Rhodes, and the hospital risk manager. They explained gently that anesthesia awareness events were exceedingly rare, and that when they did occur, patients were paralyzed but didn't feel pain. My memories were merely an unfortunate reaction to the medications, they assured. I argued fervently, begging them to dig deeper, but they insisted all protocols had been meticulously followed during my procedure. After an hour, I left demoralized, with brochures for psychiatric treatment centers. No one believed me. In my darkest moment, I received an anonymous email that changed everything, It was from someone claiming to be a nurse at the hospital, urging me to give up my fruitless fight. What happened was an intentional experiment orchestrated by Dr. Patel, and I would never find justice within the system. Stunned, I pored over the message dozens of times looking for clues. Was it a cruel prank or genuine inside information? My mind reeled over the possibility that my torture had been intentional and covered up. It was almost too much to bear. In the end, I realized the most important decision was how I let this define my future. I could remain fixated and bitter at the injustice, or I could take back my power. So I made a bold choice. I volunteered for an experimental study trialing a new anesthesia protocol designed to prevent intraoperative awareness my experience uniquely qualified me to evaluate the new agents in the end it worked this time as I drifted off I descended into a deep dreamless void that never broke until I awoke in peaceful recovery the new protocol was a success because of the sacrifice I had made by turning my trauma into a transformative purpose I regained hope and control The ghosts of that operating room receded as I embraced a new mission. My suffering had not been in vain, but rather the first step toward protecting others from the same fate. I found healing in preventing the nightmare from ever touching another life.